0: Welcome to episode one fourteen of the Daniel Yoris Podcast with today's guest, Kyle Smith. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Kyle Smith. Kyle, what's up, man? I, I left you hanging there on the on the quietness there. What's going on, buddy?
1: <laughs> so sorry about that. I was uh I guess I kind of forgot about that whole just be quiet until they say hello. But I wasn't <laughs> too sure. I understood the five-second countdown because I don't have a five-second countdown, but that was, mm. yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> just
0: to give people a little a little context and insight on that, like one of the things with, with podcasting and with like any video creation is you got to get some like, ideally, you got to get some like room noise just to cut out the background noise and you can do that in the audio on the back end and it just makes everything sound very crisp and I and I always give a, like a little 10-second quiet time. and uh, But it's very awkward because we're just sitting here being quiet for 10 seconds and like, imagine if if you're in a conversation with someone and it's like, there's like a two second pause like that, that was very awkward. Right. And imagine that times 10 seconds. So (laughs) so I don't blame you for that, man, but thanks for being here. It's uh, it's great to chat with you. We've been chatting for a while already, but, but great to hit the record button and get this out there for the people.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me on my man.
0: Kyle, how do you introduce yourself and, and tell people who you are and what it is that you do?
1: Well, I would introduce myself as a professional life changer, and I do that through my uh, best of you fit philosophy strategy, and that is where I help stuck, frustrated, and overwhelm- overwhelmed men finally drop around 20 to 40 pounds and go from chubby, chubby to chiseled without giving up burgers, pizza, and ice cream and other foods that they love.
0: That's something that I really want to wanna talk to you about, actually, is is this concept of losing weight or promoting weight loss, lifestyle change without giving up some of the things that, that we love. Now, of course, there's got to be some sacrifice involved in changing your life or your level of fitness or whatever, because if you just continue to do what you're doing, you'll continue, to do, you'll continue to get what you've always got. And obviously, if you're looking for a change, that's not what you want. So how do we marry this concept of embracing the necessity of sacrifice or change while also promoting it with the idea that you don't have to change everything.
1: Well, with what you said there, how if we keep on doing the same thing over and over again, we're going to have the same outcome. So I think it begins with identifying whether or not you're happy with the outcome. And then if you're not deciding on the desired outcome and then deconstructing the process to get there, where there is in my mind, an integration between free flow and discipline. That involves a lot of
0: thinking and and analysis of one's life. And I think that to break that down a little bit further, it's probably safe to say that it's very difficult. It's very difficult to think about your own life, but it's very difficult to make drastic changes where you're eating pizza burgers beer every day and then you go from that to to zero. And so maybe the 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 justification of of that as part of the description of the way that things go in my mind is that there is a step there's a there's steps to the process and maybe drinking beer and eating pizza every day is not the thing but maybe if you go from that every day to a couple times a week And that's a stepwise process to actually getting the change that you want. Is that sort of how you think about it from like, even from like a marketing perspective in your head?
1: Yeah, because then the idea behind what I think is there's no, it's not plans. It's not based off of ideology or dogma. It's meeting the person where they're at rather than forcing them to overhaul their whole life Hmm. and just helping the client understand that, I am there to help them. I'm not there to force them into what I believe. I am there to guide them as a consultant towards the outcome that they desire with just the tools, frameworks, whether external or internal, to be able to get there.
0: Very interesting. I think, not I think, I've been critical
1: for sure sure on
0: the podcast of that sort of, Thought process or marketing angle of like, hey, lose weight and change your life, but don't give up your beer and pizza and all that stuff. But I think that I think that it's more the issue with that is more of me being a bit of a hard ass on stuff and, and not being that good at marketing, frankly, to say that like, you got to give people like tell people what they, what they want to hear and then give them what they, what they need kind of thing. And so it's like, you know, I know that good coaches like yourself and many others who say, you know, somewhat similar things or, or are presented in a similar way. It's like, you're not encouraging people to drink beer and, and, and eat, eat pizza every single day, but it's just telling them that like, Hey, this is not like, I'm not going to overhaul your life and like come in your house and like raid your fridge and throw out all your food. Like, you know, we'll work on this together. Right so i think the problem with that is more is more me than
1: than it actually being a problem i don't know you said it not me i don't know
0: (laughs) no i'll I'll call myself out i'm I'm always happy to be wrong and happy to be have my ideas challenged and all that stuff I, i do i do think there is an issue with people who promote it a little bit too much like hey look at me eating junk food every single day and like losing weight and it's like okay like we know that you can do that, but is that, is that the goal? Is that, is that what you should be striving for? Like there's, there's other, here's the actual thought on this that I have, and I don't want to get your idea on it, is that I find that there's a lot of people who, who promote this, like, Hey, I can eat junk food and, and, and lose weight every single day. I can eat junk food every single day and lose weight and, you know, do all the stuff that's imperfect and whatever. I find that there's a strong correlation between people who talk like that, speak like that. And they also talk about how the scale doesn't matter you know, weight doesn't matter and and all this stuff. And I think that that is very strange because by saying that you can lose weight and continue to eat junk food every single day, you are by definition saying that weight loss is the only thing that matters. And as long as the scale goes down, you don't care because you're still like eating junk and like doing all the stuff rather than being like, hey, there's other aspects of health other than weight loss. And like maybe eating some whole foods instead of, you know, chocolate chip cookies is like, maybe it won't make the scale go down and whatever, but like you're actually being healthier. So what do you, what do you think about that?
1: I think that, uh, man, I, I, you know what? That's like, I love that. I love that you brought that, that idea into my mind. And so for, for the coaches that are mowing down, like I'm, I I definitely mow down tubs of ice cream and I post about it. However, I also make sure that there is a form of data collection in the process. And there's different degrees of that depending on where the person's at and their willingness to speed up the process. That is a part of it, okay? So Mm -hmm. I would post the tub of ice cream, for sure, Ben & Jerry's. Mint chocolate chance, that's one of my favorites. The tonight dough, that's second. And so there is no way in hell they're not measuring something to make an informed decision that I can eat this tub of ice cream. So if they're saying you don't need to track anything, that's horseshit. There's no way that is even possibly capable. It's like, it's an interesting idea. It's like, think of intuitive eating. If people were to just go straight into intuitive eating without being able to make the informed decision of what the difference in physiology, emotionally and cognitively, they feel, then they're intuitively, if they have a repeat behaviors that result in repeat outcomes that are undesirable, then they're not going to intuitively eat in a way that's going to go along with their outcomes because they never developed what the outcome feels like in reality. So you can't intuitively eat if all you've intuitively, you've already eat, intuitively ate.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. You're, you're already intuitively eating and it ain't working. So you, you yeah. gotta, some, something's got to change and you can get back to it when your intuition is different. And that's exactly that's that's the goal. And so this is where coming back to tracking food, being aware of some other data metrics and, and understanding macros and calories and nutrients and like and, and how you feel and what your emotional relationship to certain foods and meals and times of the day and things going's on of the day when you get all that kind of understood then your intuition changes and you can go back and you can intuitively choose a a
1: salad instead of a cookie right but it's a long exactly. road to get there well i think it's i think it i think it's less than we believe it to be i think that at the end of our life A majority of us will learn the lessons that we've already known, or at least Hmm. we'll acknowledge the lessons. So I think that the, the main differentiator is, is the the main differentiator and the uncontrollable variable is the time that we learn it. So are we put and when I say learn it, I mean learn it and implement it. There has to be a congruence, which ties into the other part with the coaches that are not that are saying no tracking, but also mowing down, uh, quote unquote bad foods. Because I think food is for fuel and for fun. There's not an absolute in an either or. I take away that uh, narrative because it's a what I like to call a non functioning narrative. Hmm. So I don't like I don't like incongruence. Incongruence in some way, shape or form can lead to or already has hypocrisy. And when we are incongruent, when we are out of alignment, both internally and externally, then our life is shit. There's never been a time where consciously and subconsciously we were like, maybe I should start this. Maybe I should start this nutrition plan. Now, the part that folks usually go to is that they have a specific number that they identify as their happiness meter. So it's like, oh, I want to drop 50 pounds. Okay. 50 pounds is when I'm going to be happy. But I think, so going to the other part where you're talking about self-awareness, how it takes self-awareness, you are correct. And it's scary and it's hard to have that self-awareness. And it's even scarier to do some self-reflection to understand how we are the problem. And it's kind of like, I think it's the movie Conjuring where there's the ghost entity named Valak and it's the, the nun one. And it's like really creepy looking. I haven't seen and the and movie, so I'm t- not familiar, but... Fair enough. I actually haven't either, but <laughs> I watched like a breakdown of it from... Uh, when I'm working, I watch YouTube stuff. If it's like admin stuff, like coaching programs and stuff that I'm, I'm like that, like follow-up, stuff like that, I'll listen to movie breakdowns. And one of them is CZ's World, and that one just goes through scary movies. So Chuckie's Scream, so on and so forth. All and right. The Conjuring was one thing. So spoiler alert, just in case. <laughs> so... uh for the conjuring the main character who is like one of the ghost hunters she uh is going up against this entity this demon valak the demon and did not know the name of the demon this whole time but was able to she had like premonitions and stuff and she was able to go to the book and learn the name of this demon because when we are able to name the demon we end up having power over it when we don't name the demon then it has power over us so another kind of neat, so for that part many of us are just scared of the entity and don't want to name it and so that's where where that's where that differ that variable in time of when people learn particular lessons it's how quickly they can overcome their resistance which resistance plus discomfort equals suffering remove the resistance all you're left with is discomfort and no suffering but we want to suffer so we'd rather have the resistance and not face that demon and name that demon because when we name it we have control we can name it however we wish we can listen to other people's uh kind of definitions of what a certain emotion experience moment in time could be or we can also just name it ourselves because it's kind of like the funny idea where you can say a word and I could be like, damn man, like you just came up with a word. And then you could look at me and be like, Kyle, dude, all words are made up. <laughs> like why not change the story if we don't like the story? Right. right. So, uh, yeah. And so another kind of analogy now I'm just tangenting, I'm sorry, but another kind it. of story that I think is kind of cool too to kind of reference it is with animals we got cows and we got bison, okay storms coming in they're eating storms coming in. When the cows see the storm coming in, they're going to run away from the storm. When the bison sees the storm, they run towards the storm. Reason being the bison knows that if they run through the storm they're going to get the sunshine a lot faster. What the cows clearly don't realize because they're repeating the same behaviors with the exact same outcomes is that when they run away from the storm resist the storm, avoid the storm, they end up being tired and the storm still hits them. So now they're just miserable cows. So the moral of the story is don't be a miserable cow. Am I getting that yeah, right? Yeah, I get yeah, I like
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> well here's here's a question that I have leading off of this then. Do you think that there is a problem when you name the demon incorrectly? Example being, you know, you're you're trying to change your behavior you're trying to lose weight you look in the mirror and and you name the demon as it's my spouse's fault that i eat too much and that's your demon when in all likelihood the reality of the situation is that you are your own demon and like you fail to to say no or structure or whatever your your thing is What, what are your thoughts on that when we name the demon it's great but it's actually incorrectly named or assigned rather
1: that would definitely come in my mind down to a form of self-awareness, but one thing I think is very important to remember is anytime that we're pointing fingers, we have three pointing back. Hmm. And when we have that reminder, we can absolutely, we can smoke screen or nickname another entity or thought as the reason for our suffering, but ultimately we have no autonomy over those things. And what we depend on makes the rules. So, if we're depending on our spouse, our kids, our work, our circumstances, our environment, if we are depending on those to fit our desired reality in order for us to make progress, what we depend on makes the rules. And those are all out of our control. So, if we have autonomy and if we're able to depend on ourselves, we can make the rules for ourselves, but once again, it takes that. It takes that. I. It takes the question of why is it that that's in the way? Why is it my spouse that's in the way? Why is it my environment? Why is it my work? Why is it? Then the question. And if you go through that, this, this like the 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 tactic of the three whys or something like that. You just ask a why, answer the question, ask why for that answer the question and then eventually you just find the common denominator truth. And oftentimes the truth is just we are just being assholes to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So when we when we incorrectly when we incorrect we just need to question why we are calling something the way it is the way it is. Very interesting. I've I've always heard that that line of questioning referred to just as the, the Socratic
0: method of teaching or learning or, or questioning, where it's just like a little kid. Why, 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 why? And eventually you get to the answer or, or, or an answer that is a little bit deeper when you have to continue to challenge your thoughts. And I think that this is this is kind of refers back to something we were talking about before we started recording, where a lot of people don't really think much <laughs> at all. And and so when you're, when you're asked the question why, you, you don't have an answer. And I think that, that even, even one why, never mind like 10 whys to get to the root of your answer. And I think we see this a lot in these like kind of funny uh, clips on, you'll see on, on social media. And often they're like politically uh, driven where it's like, why, did, why do you not like yeah. this guy? And then they just like don't know. And then they just like or they say something that's wrong or whatever or incorrect or opposite. Um, but asking yourself why or I think is lack a
1: really –
0: yeah, it's a lack of information or or a, or a refusal to even seek out more information, and just willing to continue to parrot the the ideas that they've been that they've been sold, right? And so, learning how to actually think about your own thoughts and, and challenge your own ideas is is a good way to go about this. I think I think this is something that you and I discussed on on the the, the podcast that we did on on your show. Where I was saying, you know, how my how my dad always like challenged us as, as kids and even growing up, and he was saying like we would bring him an idea and be like, Well, what about this, this, and that? And so that really I was I think lucky and blessed in a way to to have that uh as a way of teaching me how to think and how to challenge my own thoughts and think through them and think about what are the downsides, what are the cons to this, what are the pros and all that stuff. Um so I think I'm very lucky at that, but what would you say if there's, if there's a story or a time that you can remember? Like, How did you start to become more self-aware? Was there a moment in time? Was it just an amalgamation of kind of life activities? Or what was your sort of, not to get too esoteric, but what was your awakening moment that led you to, to this
1: line of thinking? Uh, there would definitely be a couple moments. Because uh, keep in mind that we are an accumulation and amalgamation of all of our existence. Mm -hmm. So who you are and who I am is an accumulation of all the good, all the bad, everything. So when it came down to the self-awareness part, there was mostly, okay, there was one, one, I can say that the journey towards self-improvement where it was unconscious incompetence where I was just going. I know, I knew where I was was not where I wanted to be. So I know that there needed to be a change. So I just continued in learning and, and engaging in curiosity because curiosity curates creativity. So if we can bring in more, uh, curiosity, if we can bring in more input and in controlling that input, then we can have different, uh, creativity in the things that we do. And I think who we create as an individual, we are, you're, this is an RPG role play game and you're a character and I'm a character. And we're also each other's NPCs in each other's lives. It's kind of cool. But, um, so I knew that I wanted something to be different. I didn't exactly know how, but I knew where I was, was not where I wanted to be. So I just started doing shit blindly hoping that there is something, but I just knew I was certain of where I didn't want to be. And I found that when I am certain of where, are either going to be motivated by pain or by pleasure? And I find that pain is much more of a motivator than pleasure. And I think that when someone first starts their journey, especially in uh, the fitness industry or the fitness world, when they first start wanting to lose that first 20 pounds, that first 50 pounds, whatever, they have a pleasurable goal that they usually aim for. But I find as people progress and adopt their activities and these habits and these behaviors as a part of their identity, eventually that pleasurable goal becomes less pleasurable because we're sensitized to it. We're not desensitized. We have acquired what we've always seeked out. So I think there has to be a morph into a pain-based goal. So I was pleasure-seeking before, then I became uh, more fulfillment-seeking, and I also wanted to avoid pain. I knew the pain of where I didn't want to be and I like in the future, and I knew the pain of where I didn't want to be now, and I still utilize that kind of me- mental method to uh, keep myself in check when I'm making decisions. So it started out about five years ago. Then, in the last two years, has been a big acceleration. And I knew this before, but I was resistant to decreasing my consumption of alcohol because I like it. (laughs) I love it. And I want some more of it. Now I'm just (laughs) fucking. I don't really. I have. It's actually interesting. So I challenged. So we went for uh, Christmas with my parents. And my parents like to party. Like I come from a pretty strong line of partiers. And uh, we just had a whole bunch of shenanigans. It was a freaking blast. Nothing in particular, nothing negative happened, but it was just a blast. And I was, it was just like, really like things were just kind of processing and I was just contemplating more because the, the thing with thinking is we always try to think outwards, but we never think inwards. And so when we think Mm. inwards and try to come up with that self-awareness, because self-awareness is difficult, but it's just like any other skill. Like we had to learn how to eat. So we have to learn how to think. People just forget about the whole learning process. Right. So so then the biggest, the most pivotal point, oh, so finishing that point, I got rid of one thing that was I was really resistant to, that was really difficult, that was also known for. Because I wanted to change my perception of myself because I didn't have that self-respect, even though there's not much different from who I am now compared to who I am then other than my level of self-respect. That's the only variable Hmm. that's been different. I've become more present. No, no, I'm really lovey-dovey. Like I love people. Like I want to bring affection to the world because people are, there's more people that are just negative. So yeah. I can control what I can. So I'd rather be around really cool people or good people or like good vibes people. So I might as well bring, I have it on my whiteboard over here for my guests is good vibes make for great guests. And I think it's really important to have that. Uh, so anyways, so that's why there is a big spike but the time before that where I really recognize it was uh, I did an event called the World's Toughest Mudder. And that was a 24-hour race, uh, military obstacles, um, and 24-hour race as in it was 8 miles, many. I think it was 40 military obstacles, and as many rounds as possible in 24 hours. So at that point in time... I was just such an asshole to myself that I was once again repeating those behaviors that was making me miserable. And I'm like, why am I so miserable? And I'm like, no, 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 you know why you're so miserable. So a whole bunch of shenanigans happened to me, not to me, actually, that is incorrect. It did not happen to me. But I was integral in perpetuating my pain into the present. It was my problem, and I wasn't resolving it. So shenanigans kind of just like slowed down enough for me to actually take a second breath. And my buddy Sean, who is also on the podcast, probably about six months, he did a world's toughest mutter before. I've done many tough mutters before, uh, so I'm used to it, but never a toughest mudder and never for the duration of length of time, like 24 hours. I got three hours of sleep in it total in that 24 hours. It was fucking crazy. So I'm gonna, it, it'll tie in. But he was persistent. He was politely persistent. And every time I would go to the bar that he worked at, which was often, so I guess he could kind of... You just need to go someplace where someone's going to tell you every day, hey, man, you should do your challenge. And I was <laughs> like, okay. So at that point, I was just done with my behavior. I was just done with being an asshole to myself. I was just done perpetuating pain. I was just done being the person that was just existing at that time. I was not happy. So I knew where I didn't want to be at that point. So that was the next kind of like aha moment. So there's the first one five years ago. Then there was this one, which was in 2016. So not that long after. And in that time, I'm like, I put on Facebook, I'm really struggling what do I do? Like psh, any recommendations, psychologist, psychiatrist, freaking ayahuasca trips, mushroom trip. Like, what do you got? What do you got? Of course, my buddy, Sean commented, do the world's toughest mutter," And in that moment, I said, fuck it. I'm in. Just signed up right then and there. Never trained for something so long. I went in completely blind. I just knew that I needed such an extreme because I was so set in my ways that I needed a new foundation to work from. So, went down, did the toughest mutter. I still had beer. (laughs) Of course, I was in Vegas. But I went through it and you're mostly by yourself, a majority of the time and it's a 24 hour race and it's freaky and the the thing about it is that there was no suffering it was just discomfort because the suffering went away the more mm-hmm. i persisted mm-hmm. and so as i was just continuing on the suffering went away it was just discomfort i was able to break down the body so i can actually build up the mind and i could think for once in I don't even know how long, as clearly as I possibly could, out in the middle of the Las Vegas desert or Nevada desert, doing this 24-hour race, I had to push my body to a particular point in order to actually find alignment. And there's people, for me, I, I, I like hard work. And so that, for me, is something that helps flush things away. I know, I recognize that my processing, my cognitive space. There's more cognitive space when I put in hard work so I can actually think more clearly and develop that self-awareness. Then at that point, I experienced that and then I just built things up from there. And so when I removed resistance to change, when I recognized that I was perpetuating the pain, when I chose to break down the body in order to build up the mind, Then I developed power in myself and I did something that was so outside my comfort zone that scared me that I had no choice but to become better from the experience. And there was a freaking, oh man, this is the scariest. I'll tell you the scariest moment where my, I puckered up real good. Okay. This is the scariest moment. So different obstacles were opened at different times and there's one that they have. It's a walk the plank. Okay. Now I've done walk the planks before. I'm fairly competent in my swimming. I know that I can get from one side of a pool to another. And if I was in a life death, death, death blah, life and death situation, I have a pretty I'm pretty confident in my competence to survive. Right, right. So, all good. Did a couple of these. Opens at midnight. Darkness in the freaking desert. Step out onto this plank, and it was thirty. It was a thirty footer. But I'm not too certain, so I'm going to drop it down to 25 feet just to not accidentally exaggerate. (laughs) Sure. I just like to be very specific (laughs) because some people would be like, oh, it wasn't 20. It wasn't 30 feet. It was 25. (laughs) You liar. It was was high either way. It was high up there. It was outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. Okay. So go out there and there's boats. There's boats. I'm like, okay, so obviously this is a thing that is kind of important. So there's boats. I'm overlooking the freaking desert because there's no obstructions. It's just, I'm just looking at the night sky on the top of this fucking scary ass, like high up, walk the plank. Did you know that pirates did that so that people would die? Yeah. So walking the plank and I was there for probably a solid two minutes and I, I'm like shaking, thinking of the experience. So it was midnight, just opened, first time doing it that high, scared shitless, exhausted, tired, and in pain, not wanting to do that. And I just stepped off, and that's why I did. See, I did you see other people go down before you did? Oh yeah, like Wait, we're, ah, you, like you two, weren't the first person. Peeps. You saw a couple other people go down. Yeah, like at least two. I'm okay. uh, I'm assuming two. Yeah. So I knew it was survivable, survivable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's, that's kind of Uh, what I was getting at. Like, what was the, if if someone else went off before you and had like a horrible experience, separated their shoulder, you know, whatever, then that would change the whole, everything for you.
1: Right. Yeah, totally. So then I, there is just a moment that I recognize where I didn't think that's when I took action. And that's kind of like Mel Robbins. She says the five-second rule. You have five seconds to make a decision and just make a decision before your impulses come in to tell you otherwise, before your animal brain comes in to tell you otherwise, before your ego comes in to tell you otherwise, before your your tantruming inner toddler comes in and starts to terrorize your trajectory into the future. Oh, yeah. I like I like alliterations. I try to toss it in there every once in a while <laughs> just for myself to remember. But um, I stepped off. And the freakiest part, and I watched a lot of Navy SEAL stuff. I'm not a Navy SEAL by any means, but I know that you want to keep everything nice and tight when you hit the water. And when you go into the water, expand so that you don't keep going. Right. So I did that. But before that point, I was able to think in that space where I was just weightless and nothing profound came the thought was shouldn't i have already hit the water by now (laughs) and then i hit the water and came up and then i stepped out of there and then i just recognized that i created a new baseline foundation for what i was capable of handling
0: Hmm. i think that there's first of all thank you for sharing that that was there's a lot there to unpack for sure. Um I think that this is a common theme that I hear about through people who are involved in fitness but I, but I find that it's beneficial for people who are not self-defined fitness people is is about getting into your body to get out of your head. And so in your example of, you know, falling where it's like, well, in that fall, I don't know how long that fall is, but it's it's faster than it's it's longer than instant. So there, there's a space there where where there's like there's nothing else to think about other than the fact that like I'm just falling through the air right now. And there is something to be said about that and, 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 and an ice bath being under the bar under a heavy set of squats and like all of these kind of physical endeavors, I think, where you have no choice but to think about the thing that you are doing and everything else is just like forgotten about and quiet and, and non-existent for that moment. And I think that there's a lot of power there because it's not about the thing that you're doing. It's not about jumping off a plank. It's not about getting into an ice bath. It's not about the thing. It's about what you said, Kyle. You realize that you can think in that moment. And now when you're sitting at home on the porch, whatever, you can kind of go back to that place and draw from that experience and be like, all right, I've 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 been here before where this this, this weightless not exactly weightless as in falling, but like <laughs> weightless in your mind of of not thinking about anything except for the thing that I need to focus on and so you can you can pull on that experience to go back there and I think that is one of the most one of the most powerful and profound effects of of physical activity and and difficult uh physical challenges and exercise in general is just that getting into your body so much that you can actually get out of your head or or get into your head however you want to work that work that analogy um Another thing that I want to kind of circle back to is this concept of moving away from things that you no longer want versus moving towards pleasure. I think if we extrapolate the idea of always moving towards pleasure, that you will eventually become a drug addict strung out on on the street just constantly seeking pleasure at the cost of everything else. And and that is an extreme example and and obviously like we don't want that for anyone but that is what the a person in that scenario is doing. They are they are foregoing all other things and seeking momentary pleasure repeatedly at the cost of everything else versus moving away from something be it overweight, homelessness, uh, hunger, uh, d- disconnection from your family or, or discontent with your job or your purpose in life or whatever that thing is that you want to move away from. Also keeping that in mind is, is really strong. Tim Ferriss has talked about this as the idea of, of the activity of fear setting. I, I don't want to pause your mouth, but I imagine that you may, may have heard of this before um, where, he, where he says like, hey, if you don't know what to do, at least move away from the things that you don't want to do. And I've been in a place in my life as well where I was kind of like, you know, dropped out of school, didn't really know what I wanted. And like, you know, things were things were fine, but like I just didn't really know where to go. And then so eventually you just start doing something, realize, okay I don't want to do that. So if I can't go left, then, well, I'll just try going right. And then I don't want to go right. So I'll go like on a 45. And like you figure things out that way. What were some of the things then that you decided that you no longer wanted to be associated with or, or what things that you wanted to move away from as part of this whole awakening experience?
1: I would actually, uh, man, you're bringing some really cool thoughts. I got to, I just going to take a second to say, I very much appreciate this conversation because you're bringing a lot of, uh, really cool thoughts to the forefront of my mind. And I'm feeling like less of a hat rack right now. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank um, you, man. I appreciate it. So, it actually wasn't about what I wanted. It wasn't wanting to remove things. Because the difficulty in removing things is that we don't want to remove them. However, we can only make decisions based off of the information that we have. Right? Right. So... If we have a lack of information, then we can't make an informed decision. We can't make a data-driven decision. We can only make an impulse-driven decision on what we feel. And I am of the type of person where if we do not impose our power over our impulses, our impulses are going to have power over us. So how do we gain power over ourselves? Well, we have to understand what the opposite feels like. So it wasn't that I wanted... To give up drinking, for example, it was that I felt it was necessary. Like I felt crappy. It just felt like the right time. Because if you're feeling crappy, that's an indicator to stop doing the things that you're doing. Whether that's hanging out with people, uh, perceived obligations that you may have. And let's say you do have obligations that are outside of your control. Control what you can and become the best individual within those those uh, particular rules because it's funny because we always complain about rules, but whenever we end up playing video games, we have no problems following the rules of the game. (laughs) Unless it's grand theft auto, then you're just using all the cheat codes to get all the ammo and all the friggin' ammunition. But then you experience the actual storyline of the game. I've never, I spent five minutes on the storyline because I was like, nah, I already got all the weapons. I want to go blow shit up. (laughs) So it was, it was more so recognizing, that I just I just wanted a break. That's it. With I just wanted to break with drinking. So told told Kendra, I'm like, babe, this is what I want to do. And she's like, cool. She was super supportive. And then uh midnight, January 1st, midnight was the time I switched to I obviously I was drinking beer before that point and shots. And then I started drinking water. <laughs> so what what year was this? Sorry. It was last year. So we're in 2023. It was 2022. Okay. So now I was like, okay, I'm just going to go 30 days. I went 30 days. Right. And there's, there is an overlap with previous goals as well. So I, uh, I, I thought about this or I, uh, organized my thought process where it was an overlap. So I seen an opportunity. That's what I was trying to say. So went 30 days felt really good because I had such an extreme on one side. I had a very, I went to the extreme of the other and that's where I found the difference. That's where I could make mm. informed decisions. When I experienced what the opposite was, then I could actually say, Hmm, do I really want to? Am I doing this out of the right intention? Am I doing it out of intention at all? Or am I just habitually doing it? Because when we're mindlessly doing things and we're not intentional, that's when we I find that we find tr- ourselves uh, in trouble with ourselves. So, thirty days came by. I'm like, I'll push it another day, push it another day, push it another day, push it another day. Because keep in mind, the only place that we have power in the pre- is in the present. So, if we have present or if we have power in the presence of intentional behaviors. Then we just need to get through today. Mm -hmm. So if I say to myself, so someone would ask, are you, and to this day, I still haven't drank, but it's not because of a desire to hit a particular point. It's not because of a desire to, um, challenge myself. It's not a desire to, for anything outside of the fact that I just have no desire. So it's, so it's interesting because I still go out and have fun because I find that, if you can be entertaining to yourself, then you're going to be entertaining to other people. And when you're entertaining the other people, you don't need, it's not a prerequisite or a requirement to consume a bunch of alcohol in order to be a generally decent human being. Right. I think when I told Kendra, this one yesterday where I kind of have this system with kind of like a body language one where alignment alignment is always going to be something that I go back to. There's an alignment kind of checklist. If I'm in a social setting where I feel like I'm uncomfortable, oh my God, like the, the anxiety and the anticipation of future pain, am I going to be judged? Am I going to be liked? Am I going to be cared for? Am I going to be told that I'm a piece of shit? Am I going to be told that I'm awesome? What if, what if, what if, and I find when I came, when I experienced this form of, this form of anxiety, cause there's multiple that I actually found myself self-centered. I was only focusing on myself and I wasn't focusing on others. So my kind of process is it goes uh, comfortable, calm, confused. So for comfortable, do I want to be slouched forward or do I want to be opened up? And do I want to feel comfortable in the environment I'm in? Because in the environment, when you feel comfortable, then you're going to feel calm. When you're calm, your breathing is controlled. It's regulated. When your breathing is controlled and regulated, cognitively you're more present. You're here. You're spending time with whoever you're around. And I put confused because when we take ourselves away from we and we perceive, uh, and we uh, approach life from a point of me or uh, we. Sorry, so from me to we. Then we can be engaged with other people's lives. We can ask people questions based off of our cu- curiosity. So, you want to be so I like to be confused so that I'm more likely to just ask interesting questions because every human being has a common denominator, whether it's uh, a podcast or the fact that we are both you and I and every human being and everything on this planet was from the No matter what someone's ideological or philosophical or theoretical beliefs are, all things that are here have had to be created first, right? So no matter what someone believes, there's always a creation point. A cell is created from nothingness. So there's a creation. That's a common denominator you and I share and that we all share is that we're all birthed from the same point in time. And that's the inception of time. That one okay, that was a little bit of a tangent. But uh (laughs) I love it. But when we but when we act confused, when we approach it, we then can ask people questions. So I really like embodying demeanor. Like I wear I wear caps, like the the Peaky style caps, because I want to embody the demeanor of Thomas Shelby when he's in stressful situations. Hmm. So that is the calm. What is my body language? Calm demeanor, laid back, chill. Able to make comfortable eye contact, not weird, not creepy, not slouching forward, opened up, welcoming. Because I find that before, man, there's a lot of tangents. Before, it's just like the difference between are you the thermostat or are you the thermometer? Are you responding to the temperature of others or are you setting the temperature? And I'd rather yeah. be a thermostat than a thermometer.
0: I think that that really ties into your your what we were talking about again before we were recording was just stoic philosophy. I think that Thomas Shelby, uh, although a TV character and not modern, as set in you know past times, would be a great example of stoicism in in real life. I don't know how real life it is, but whatever, real, real situations where he's faced with all this craziness going on and he's just like calm, cool and collected and makes a calculated decision and is never freaking out versus maybe other characters in the show. Like his brother, Arthur would be, it would be a good <laughs> example of someone yeah. who's kind of like very reactionary and very like his emotions get the best of him and he just like does shit and sometimes it works out, but sometimes it causes some trouble. And so being able to just like have that half second pause observe the situation and like make the best decision is usually, usually the right answer. Now th- this can be, this can go too far where you're overanalyzing the situation and you're just sat there frozen like a deer in headlights. And that's not good either. Going back to that, that five second decision kind of thing, right? It's, it's a five second decision, not a, not a five day decision. That's not, <laughs> that's not the right answer either. You can't just endlessly analyze things because again, I think a way to, to kind of sum this part up is that not making a decision is also a decision. And so sometimes we get caught on like in 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 fitness, people say, oh, I want to do, you know, diet A or diet B, and I'm not sure. And they're weighing the pros and cons and asking people and reading research and, you know, or not research, reading articles and, you know, whatever, all the stuff. And it's like, well, if you just started one of them, like you would know if it's working or not. And then you can either continue or try the other one. And in all the time that you've wasted reading and, and quote-unquote researching and like doing all this homework to figure it out, you could have just done it and figured it out. And so there is a, there's a huge value in taking action. And then again, moving away from things that you don't like or that you no longer want to continue or no longer serve you or call it whatever you want, but moving away from things that are not adding to your life in some way is, is extremely, uh, extremely valuable. And then you can determine whether those things have a place in your life. Like you found up to this point that alcohol doesn't have a place in your life and that's not good or bad or, or otherwise like to the collective, that's just the choice that you've made up to this point. And now that may change and it may not, but, but it's, it's, it's not a representation of what's best for everyone. One thing that I've, that I, think about often on this, on this exact topic. In fact, because I've seen a lot more on Twitter, especially where there's a lot of these like health maxing bros on Twitter, whatever that means. And they're saying a lot of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't understand the whole movement, but they're like, Oh, I never drink alcohol and I feel so much better. And and without knowing their context and their story, the first thought that goes through my head in the context of my own life is that like, well, how much were you drinking before? because if you like if i removed alcohol totally from my life it would not change my life in in any way because i don't drink very often i drink socially and sure i might if i'm going out with my buddies i might have a lot of drinks in a night but like that might be the only time for the next 2 months kind of thing so it doesn't it wouldn't affect my life in any way however if i was drinking daily or weekly heavily or whatever that would obviously make a very big difference in my life and so i always think about the context of that of like well how much like the, it's not the thing that's bad alcohol of course alcohol is not good for you but it's your relationship with alcohol that is a thing that has to change and for some people it has a place in their life and for some people the place is is to never let it enter again because for whatever reason it takes over too much and causes more more damage than than can be handled and so but i think again it comes down to a lot of awareness and cre- finding a way to create that space to have that thought and then to stick through it and then examine constantly whether or not it has a place in your life or not. And it could be alcohol or it could be any number of things, chocolate cake, uh, smoking cigarettes, you know, whatever. It could be any, any any habit. And it can be good habits that are also taken too extreme as well. Going a CrossFit class, you know, nine times a week. Like, that's probably... It's probably a little too much, right? And maybe that's something that has to be reined back. I don't know why that example came to my mind. I think we just, you know, CrossFit's just like so easy to pick. Because it's hardcore. That in the Bosu ball, But, uh, but you know, any anything can be,
1: the poison is in the dose, right? Totally. And so, I, I love, so with the folks that are really just preaching, no drinking, no drinking, you'll very seldom, unless I have like a really cool share about uh, drinking in itself, I don't Preach not to drink. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that uh, about you until you just said that in this story. Sweet, that's cool. So, and as you were talking, I kind of started thinking about why is that? Because I think that there is a. So that's myself asking why is it that I just don't don't do it? Because I actually didn't think that I didn't do it until like there's been a couple of posts like I did like a 15 month one or something like that, and I thought that was just cool. Um but uh, when you're talking about it, I actually, so this is the reason as to why I don't. And it goes along with the kind of system, the way that I go about strategizing people's programs and personal uh, personal processes, right? Because every person is uh, unique, despite not technically being a unique snowflake you know? So we're unique in a way, but we're also not unique. Like we have the same, like it's our, our bodies have not evolved as much as we probably believe them to have evolved. There's a lot of the hardware is pretty much the same. So it's the software that changes. But uh, what I found or what I just thought of here is that it's because I don't like being ideological or dogmatic. And I, purposefully want to create a baseline foundation yeah that's what more so what it is. I want to create a baseline foundation i don't want to impose my beliefs on other people. I want them to learn how to think, not what to think, and so I think that's the reason as to why I don't make a lot of posts or about or at least not villainizing it. I don't villainize it. I just talk about particular progresses progresses that i've made. Uh, And, and this kind of goes back with the curiosity curates creativity is I, I don't have a desire to drink. And what I found with it is that I already know what drinking, what the results of drinking is. I'm curious to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. So that's where my thinking process is. But yeah, I just don't like I don't like any sort of dogmatic you can do this, you you can't do this, you must do this, you should do this, you have to do this, you must believe in my processes or else you're a uh, infidel. <laughs> you have to you have to process things in a way that is based on The life that someone wants to live because what I preach what I'm my dogmatic ideology would be to live a joyful and fulfilling life based off of the terms that you define that with and that's that's a unique process yeah I think that that's
0: probably why yourself just like myself we're both drawn to the media form or art form or communication form of, of podcasting, because it allows for this space to put up a tweet or an Instagram post that says like, Hey, I don't drink alcohol. It's like, that doesn't have enough context to, to fully under to fully explain why you don't, uh, what, what's happened since what happened before, how someone else should go about thinking about whether they should or shouldn't or examine, like there's just not enough uh, space in that, in that medium. Whereas, in this form, we can you know, fully flesh out this idea and, and, and help someone to understand or at least give them some maybe some prompts, I think is probably a good way to say it, to think about how to apply that to your own life, right? Because, again, we're trying to teach people or, or guide people as to how to think, not just tell them what to do. Like, again, the alcohol thing. We have two different relationships with alcohol, you and I. And neither of them is right or, or wrong, And so I've got clients where like we have a, you know, a significant goal is like, hey, we've got to cut this out like almost entirely because it's causing disaster in their life. And I've got some clients who are like, oh, uh, hey, I'm going to have like a couple of drinks on the weekend. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, well, you haven't had any drinks the entire year. So if you want to, like by all means, it's not going to go, you know, it's not going to, there's just different for everyone. And so understanding how to think is, 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 I think the beauty of, of the podcast and just being able to fully flesh out these ideas to give, again, to give people those prompts as to like how to apply this to their own life rather than like, a you must do this or you must not do, do that. Another quote that I, that I know that, you, that you've, you like this one or you've posted about it is, and I may butcher it a little bit, but it's that we, we like certain misery over the misery of uncertainty. And it's very hard to change our behavior. I think I got that one right. But it's very hard to change our behavior because it's like, you know, the consequences of the thing that you are currently doing because you're currently doing it and you're you're navigating your life. You're still here. So you're, you're figuring it out somehow, but changing that is a little bit unknown. And I think flipping that script into, into seeking out that uncertainty and what if it worked out great? what if I'd made this change and it made my life awesome, or I had this great uh, experience or, or what have you. And I think that that's difficult, but I think trying to look at it and almost romanticize it, like, what if I made this change and what if it all worked out and what if my life was better than it can ever be rather than like a, it's not great, but I'm comfortable here. I think that that's an easy trap to fall into yet a, yet a dangerous one.
1: I totally agree with that. There's actually, I don't remember what the concept is or the, uh, I don't think it's a bias, but there is, there is one where, well, let's say it's a a relationship. It'll be easiest to give an example on this one because I don't remember the name. So, (laughs) but, uh, it's just like a relationship where, or relationships or work relationships or just work in general, where there is a Goldilocks zone where life is miserable but not miserable enough to change mm. and I think so and so it's like yeah it's works alright I like you know I got some cool benefits and stuff I wish I would be doing this but I'm pretty good with my life it's just that content it's just yeah. being content there's a lack of ambition and fire people haven't thought of thought inwards as to what they really want so they never get to venture out But, uh, yeah, there, I, it's, I actually do think that there's been times where I was like, I was thinking, ah, this person has so much untapped potential in what they're capable of. I just wish their life was just a smidge more miserable so that they would do something. (laughs) Yeah. And I've thought about that many times. I'm like, ah, because it's either going to, so the thing is as well is that it's either going to be by choice or by chance that we're gonna make changes. It's either gonna be things are gonna get so miserable by chance that we are forced to acknowledge that demon in front of us, where it's like maybe, maybe it's just gaining so much weight, where it's like, I know I should do this, I know I should do this, I know I should do this, I know I should do this. I I should do this. Oh, hey, just to let you know, you're actually pre diabetic. Oh. Now I should do something about this rather than so that's by chance rather than by choice where I know I should do something about this. I will do this thing because it obviously has a better trajectory for the future. So it's either by choice or by chance. And people are only going to change things if they find that their current circumstances are miserable enough where they have to force themselves to change it. Or this is where we go to pleasure or pain based, which is like finding which one encourages you the most to change things. is a pleasure-based goal where it's like, where you're thinking, oh, I, I want it. Yeah, I'm not really sure where I was going with that one. But pain-based <laughs> or pleasure-based where you just feel ambitious and fulfillment and joyful in the life that you're creating. So not what you are creating, but the person and the life that you're creating.
0: Yeah, and I think I think the, the way to bring this back to just to exercise alone is like people people who are like around my age 20s early 30s and whatever i often hear like oh, i don't really have to go to the gym you know nothing hurts i feel good and whatever and it's like yeah you you do that now but like it that's not always going to be the case and so whether you choose now to not worry about your physical health or or, or eating or just your health overall and you want to just wait until later, well, then you're going to have to worry about it from like a trying to avoid catastrophe standpoint. Either way, you're going to have to do something about it and i really strongly believe obviously i'm biased cuz it's my job but I, I i very strongly believe that like you should get ahead of this and be proactive at least be building towards something instead of running away from something and you can be building towards something as in building your strength but still have that like that fear base of like i don't want to get to a point where i'm 70 and can't go to the bathroom by myself like that is a that is a real thing that happens to people and it doesn't happen to other people it happens to you if you don't like take care of yourself now just in 40 years or however long it's going to be for you so uh, you have to be the the observer of your of your life and be like okay what is the extrapolation of if i continue to do what i'm doing now what happens over the course of my life is that good if so then 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 proceed and if not then something's got
1: to change absolutely and I, I think you hit the nail. I also agree with your biased perspective. <laughs> really? So you have you have Surprised. endorsement. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Whoa. No way. Two fitness uh, guys like working out. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's really I think it's uh, naive to think I I think it's naive when folks have that perception where yep. oh my metabolism's still firing up I don't need to do this but. The thing that's interesting is that with the actions, we're either making, we're making a future, whether we want it or not come quicker to us. And the thing that's also kind of like, yeah, so it's, it's in either case, we're making the future come quicker to us, but I think it's just having the foresight because I, I had two ladies on my podcast and they said something that was really cool that their coach said and it was maintenance is progress because yeah. we always forget that everything within our our body's going to deteriorate whether we like it or not but the speed is a variable that we do have some control over yeah so we can we can erode fa- not erode but sure I'll go with erode why not we can erode <laughs> faster we can just just it, we're just going to just yeah. we're going to wither away so what we can man- maintain so if someone's in their early 20s and they can maintain what their current health is up until their 90s, that to me is success. Now, if someone has a little naivete and they're thinking to themselves, oh, I don't have to think about it, then they believe that they're entitled to their health. They haven't experienced what shitty health feels like yet. Yeah. So they don't know the comparison between the two. They don't make exactly. an informed decision. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I think it is difficult to, I mean, as many times as I've said it, as you, you said it, and we'll both continue to say it and many, many others, like, I think it's very difficult to I- embed that in, in people's minds and in people's actions, because mm-hmm. you just hear us and be like, yeah, yeah, I, I get you. But like, you know, next week, I'll, I'll start next week. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yet. And it's like, well, but we're talking to you. If, if you're saying that, like, that's who we're talking to. And so mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not old. I don't have that problem. I've had times in my life due to like surgeries and and injuries and stuff where like I haven't been able to move and I've lost that ability for short periods of time and all that stuff. And so I have some experience with that and experience through others and clients and, and I'm sure you do as well, Kyle. And so like, you know, you got to take this stuff to to heart. Like we're not saying this because it's fun. Like it, if you didn't have to work out and everything and and exercise need healthy, like I gain nothing from, from that being the truth other than the fact that it is the truth. So, you know, we, we can't get around it and, uh, we just gotta, we just have to do it, but you have to come to this conclusion by yourself. Another thing that we said, and maybe we we'll kind of wrap up on this is like, before we were recording, we're like, yeah, it's great for us to say all these things, but like just doesn't, doesn't do anything if you don't get off your ass and do it. It's great for us to say it and like put these thoughts out there and these ideas out there, but like, you've gotta, you've gotta be the one to do it because we can't do it for you. And if we could, believe me, we would, it would make our lives a lot easier. Actually, we probably wouldn't have a job. If we could work out for people. Oh, we, no, no. And and people would, if, if this was a thing where like, hey, I'll pay you, you work out and, and I'll get the benefits. If that was yes. like physiologically possible, we would all have jobs. We would all be super wealthy and our jobs would be like so easy if I could just work out for like 15 hours a day and give those gains to other people. Like,
1: oh, baby. Absolutely. Bring
0: in the dough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that's for sure. But for where I was going on that one, it was, uh, if, if there is that, if there is that, if there is that just implanted, just point of making the self better, progressing the self, then we wouldn't have a job because people oh, would yeah. already be working on their health. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I hear, don't yeah. you think it's kind of ridiculous that we do have a job though? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, every, I'm so grateful for what I do. <laughs> it is disgusting. I get yeah. to chat with cool people who are making changes, who are making improvements, which unfortunately does there is a requirement of not knowing how to do that. But I am grateful for the opportunity that I get to coach and mentor folks as yourself in becoming better human beings. And as we become the coaches or the Yodas or the Obi-Wans or the Gandalfs or like pick your, pick your mentor, pick your whoever that comes into stories, right? To be a part of that process of that hero's journey is a very fulfilling part. So I'm not overly upset that people can't hold themselves accountable and just don't have or may not currently have a vision of where they want to go. So it sucks saying that where I wish more people had it, but I'm also grateful that people don't so that I can be a part of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that that's well said. It's like, I love what I do and you know what we do as well. It's the, I think it's the best job in the world, but in a, in a fully perfectly functioning society, like there would be no need for us to, help people learn how to move and how to eat and how to do all these things and we use that as a vehicle to transform the 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 rest of their life but the entry point is physical exercise and nutrition and all that stuff but like in a fully perfectly functioning society whatever that means if i don't think it's possible but whatever that means i don't i don't think that like there would be a need for this because everyone would just know it and do it and and however that happens but that's not the
1: case so we do exist (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I actually think just from from my own like thoughts on this one, just given the way that we have existed and lived. So for example, in where we are in North America, we have the most abundant anythings ever in all yeah. of history. We have everything. So technically someone from the past can come here and say, Wow, what a utopia. However, because we are used to how abundant it is, we crave Creativity and creativity is bred through dissatisfaction, so if we don't have dissatisfaction, then there's no creativity, then we don't have any outlets, then we don't live a fulfilling, joyful life, so even if it was perfect, we would find a way to fuck it up so that we can actually live a fulfilling life
0: yeah yeah i I agree with that I think that that also leads we we won't go down this this rabbit hole because this is several hours of very <laughs> intense discussion, but like it. We create a lot of social problems, I think in the West, like made up or or not, and I think, in my opinion there 's a lot of again factors that go into this, but we have our basic needs so well and so easily met that I think that there 's something inherent about being human that we like to be challenged or, or pursue something or or you know fight against something it doesn 't have to be negative, but like you know fight for something that like we create issues within our life that are like not really real issues because like we have food and shelter and all that stuff. If, if by chance there was like no more food in North America and like no more water, like we would forget about a lot of those things that are happening and we would just like band together, be nice to each other and like figure out how to feed everyone. And that would be our, our main thing, but we don't have that problem. And thankfully we don't have that problem, but so we, we create other, well, other issues to, to kind of band together against, but agreed. Yeah. Maybe we don't need to go down that rabbit hole too deep. <laughs> For another time. Yeah. Kyle, this sure. has been awesome. For part two. <laughs> yeah, part two. We'll we'll have to make that not a fitness podcast when when we're, we're uncancelable <laughs> and just anyways. <laughs> yeah. This has been awesome, man. I I appreciate you so much. Um where can people find you and your contact info and, and all that stuff? I will throw it all in the show notes, but where can people find you and learn more about Sweet. everything you've got going on?
1: Uh, so basically everything is warrior body Kyle. So warrior as in the warriors, warriors, body as in the human body, and Kyle as in my first name. It's also a town in Texas, too. And they're trying to break the Guinness World Records for the collection of the most Kyles in the town of Kyle. My I saw buddy, Val Simeus. <laughs> Did you? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I have a buddy, Kyle, uh, and he said, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So, uh, warrior body Kyle, Instagram. I'm on YouTube. Uh, my podcast is the Limitless Life Podcast, which Daniel was a guest on, which was an awesome one. Uh, and then that's pretty much for the most part. You can just find me on any social media. Oh, TikTok as well. You can find me on any social platform with Warrior Body Kyle, and it's usually a red little image with me with the kettlebell.
0: Amazing, amazing. I'll be sure to put all that in the show notes. But Warrior Body Kyle everywhere and i'll have it all uh, have it all easy to find for you kyle is there any thoughts that you want to leave the people with here in closing
1: the other day i was yes i do the other day i was uh listening to a podcast i didn't think of it until now but i i I think this is a cool opportunity so i asked two questions that's on my podcast and i switched it up since the last time you were on actually So I asked two questions. And the first question is, uh, what would be the last piece of advice I would give on my deathbed or on your deathbed? I ask other people the question, but I ask myself. And then the second question is, um, if your best self was next to you, if your highest self, if the higher version, the best, absolute, most epic version of you was sitting next to you right now, what piece of advice would they give you for this season of your life because we live in different seasons seasons should change right so the last piece of advice i'm going to answer my own questions on your podcast oh this is a weird one this is a weird little inception (laughs) shit so for the first one the last piece of advice and my buddy rye he was on the podcast the other day so there's more context he was on the podcast the other day and he was the first person to ask me on the podcast Hmm. and surprisingly i didn't have an answer (laughs) <laughs> which is hilarious because i'm almost at 50 episodes and for whatever reason i just never thought of it so he got me real good so be sure to check that one out to hear what i'm like when i'm all flabbergasted and confused but uh so the answer to my lat or my piece of advice my deathbed advice there we go so my deathbed advice for folks out there that i would give if you were sitting next to me and i was about to kick the bucket i would say to you stop trying to pretend or stop pretending to be important and start pretending to be good. Hmm. So that would be my deathbed advice. All and right. then my advice, my, the advice that my best self would give me in this season of my life, and I'll explain it a little more, but it would be, Kyle, man, just maintain the speed wobble. Just maintain the speed wobble, and Rye asked, "What do I mean by that?" And the speed wobble is that sweet spot between losing control and mm-hmm. moving too slow. So when you're watching a speed wobble, whether it's a longboard, especially, that's where I've wiped out many a time. Same with bikes. Ugh. But when you're on when you're on a bike and you're watching someone speed wobble, and when they have control of the speed wobble, there's something. That messes, at least for myself, it messes with my brain where I'm like, you're going so fast, but it looks like you're going to biff at any time. But I see that you have control, but they're moving. So they're moving at max capacity while maintaining as much control as they can. Yeah. So if I take that kind of thought process and if I bring it into my ambitious ideas where I'm. Pushing, I'm actively trying to get out of my comfort zone and seeing how quickly I can create that speed wobble while maintaining control. That is what it is. It's doing what I can to the best of my ability to maintain that speed wobble. So I'm getting as quickly as I want to go, but I have enough control that I know I'm not going to fall on my face. So maintain the speed wobble and stop pretending to be important. Start pretending to be good. I love that man. That was a way better answer
0: than I was than I was expecting. But that was that's awesome. The speed wobble is a is a really good one. It brings me back to I learned how to snowboard this this past winter and it's nice. it's exactly that same thing. It's like you've gotta You got to find that it very snowboarding, but same as biking and all the stuff. So you got to, if you're going too slow, it's like, Hey, you're in full control of everything, but you're not really doing anything that cool. And it's actually like a little bit harder to, to do what you're trying to do. And then going way too fast is like, well, now I just fall down and hurt myself. And so, but there's gotta be that, like, you gotta be going fast and almost on the edge of losing control, but, but not quite. And, uh, it's very much the same, I think with, with life. And I think that that's, that that's actually great, great advice. And I would give myself that same advice. I mean through you but you know I would, I would give myself
1: that same advice now <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd be like so i'm gonna forget that you said it and i said it <laughs> yeah i like that awesome man
0: thank you so much i appreciate you very much kyle this is a fantastic conversation very enjoyable no surprise but but i loved it man um everybody check out kyle um all over social media i'll put all the links in the in the show notes the limitless life podcast warrior body kyle all over the place and um and that's it. Share this episode with a friend. Go outside and, and you know make sure you think about your thoughts. And become the observer of your life and all these good things. And hopefully that you know this has this has given you some good prompts to to think about your life in some context. Feel free to reach out to either of us with any questions or comments or thoughts or ideas that you have, and uh, we're both happy to uh, to to chat and just you know see what's up. Rate and view the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform you listen to it really helps a long way with getting the show out there and um and that's it give me a follow on instagram as well daniel yoris everywhere and uh go outside be a good person we'll see you next time